98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing. Proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset. And away we go with the top stories of the day. We're at the midpoints of today's Burns and Gambo show. It's the 4 o'clock reset. We're going to start it with the Arizona Cardinals and the report from their practice today. Quick updates from head coach Cliff Kingsbury on Rondell Moore's injury. Day to day, still, yeah, we we got to just see how this progresses. Uh, he's a guy; he's very cerebral, knows the system. So, if he can go by, you know, Friday, Saturday, I think we'd feel good about it. And then, of course, James Conner, who got hurt against the Raiders. He, he's doing okay. Same deal, day to day. We'll try to get him doing something tomorrow and see how it how it goes. Andy Isabella was back on the practice field today. Apparently, he hurt his back lifting weights, squats, or something like that. Cliff also said Trayvon Mullen is getting closer physically, mentally though he's still has to get comfortable in the system. Quote, if it's not this week, hopefully next week he can contribute. You had said yesterday. I expect that he's going to play. You expect he's going to be ready to play. I expect he'll be ready to play. And I saw this. This was interesting. Uh, Byron Murphy sends his uh, items to the Hall of Fame. Soon to be on display. Which item? Signs a jersey uh, that he wore on the longest overtime fumble return in the in NFL history. Good for him. Yep, that's cool. Yeah. That's really, really cool. An item in the Hall of Fame. So practice will continue tomorrow. There were a lot of guys who missed practice today as well. We think many of them were kind of Veterans Day off, like the, the thing that teams do on Wednesdays where a lot of guys get the day off from practicing. The clear report with the injuries should come tomorrow. Coyotes had their media day today as they ramp up for the NHL season. Well, here we go. Jacob Chikrin has been at the center of trade rumors for about a year now, and he said today that he has met with the organization about giving the opportunity to seek a trade. The team basically communicated to me, knowing you know the type of competitor and person I am, they indicated if you know this rebuild is going to be something that's going to be hard or difficult on me, then I wanted to be in a different situation and get moved on, that they were going to be willing to do that and make that happen for me. There's a couple occasions where that we had those meetings, and I think throughout the start of last season, I had a lot of reflection time and some really, really emotional, hard reflections with my loved ones and family. And we ultimately decided to take them up on that offer and try to get moved on to a better situation. Yeah, he's. they've been trying to trade him. They were not able to work out a deal before the draft. Uh, but if they could get the right deal, they will They will trade Jacob Chikrin. It, it will be a long rebuild. It's not going to happen overnight. They're going to um, lose a lot of games over the next, next few years. There's a couple of big drafts coming up, so part of it's going to be intentional. But uh, Chikrin wants to, he's been here for seven years. He wants to go somewhere and have a chance to win. Diamondbacks are back in action tonight in Los Angeles, taking on the Dodgers. They split their doubleheader yesterday, winning the nightcap after losing the day game. Dre uh, Jameson was very, very good again for the Diamondbacks. There's some roster moves. They recalled left-handed pitcher Tyler Holton from AAA Reno. They put Ryan Nelson on the 15-day injured list with right scapula inflammation. Oh, that so, doesn't sound good. No, it does not. So he's on the injured list. First pitch is at 7-10 tonight. I here. saw this incredible uh, note from Vinny before yesterday's second game of the doubleheader. From the beginning of the 2009 season to the night of the brawl, the Diamondbacks were 41-40 and against the Dodgers. Since then, they're 58-111. and 58 wins and 111 losses since that time. Ugh. 
Oof. Feels like it. Well, that was the first time That's they had won there in their last, what, 11 games, I think? 343 winning percentage. Yeah, it's, it's brutal. Absolute ownership. Speaking of ownership, our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Robert Sarver is no longer involved in the ownership of the Phoenix Suns. At least he won't be. Once he sells the team, that is the news today. Eight days, nine days after the investigation, it's eight days. Eight days after the investigation by the NBA and the suspension of Robert Sarver and the fine of $10 million, Robert Sarver announced today via a statement that as a man of faith, while he believes in atonement and a path to forgiveness in our current unforgiving climate, it's become painfully clear that it's no longer possible. I do not want to be a distraction to these two teams for those reasons. I am beginning the process of seeking buyers for the Suns and yeah. Mercury. They are for sale. I had a very short conversation uh, with him today and uh, just he's not sure what he's going to do next and they did think that you know he might be able to just serve out the suspension and, and come back but at some point in the last few days realized that that wasn't an option. Obviously this has taken a toll on his family um, so that the decision to, uh, to move on. So uh, I didn't get a chance to speak with him for a long time. I wanted to ask about the partnership agreement, but you know he wants that to to remain uh, quiet. The, the partnership agreement to remain con- confidential uh, to see what's going to happen there. But uh, you know, in the short conversation I had with him, that's that's what was discussed. And coming up in a few minutes, we'll go through exactly the, you know the partner situation as we know it, what it means. Okay, Robert Sarver announces he's selling the Suns and the Mercury. What does that yeah. mean exactly? We'll go through the details of that. There's been a response all around the league from this. Uh, the state. From NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. Quote I fully support the decision by Robert Sarver to sell the Phoenix Suns and Mercury. This is the right next step for the organization and community. Close quote. Short and sweet. And that was who? That was Adam Silver. Adam Silver, okay. The president of the National Basketball Players Association, CJ McCollum of the New Orleans Pelicans. Short and sweet again. Quote We thank Mr. Sarver for making a swift decision that was in the best interest of our sports community. Close quote. Okay. LeBron James sent out a tweet. Short and sweet. This is what had to happen. Haven't heard from any of the Suns players still. Chris Paul hasn't tweeted anything. To no, the but a lot of, of them knowledge. are off the hook right now for media day on Monday. You know, um, they're not going to be asked about if Robert should sell the team. Right? I mean, at that point, you know, this really does help those players um, to not have to sit there and answer the question, you know, was the punishment too strong? Was, a, was the punishment not strong enough? Do you believe that they should have gone further? Like, do you think he should sell the team? None of those questions, because if you're a player, like, th- those questions can't be asked right now. You can't, you can't go to a Devin Booker, hey, do you think the punishment was... Str-? Listen, he, he decided to sell a team. It's done. It's done. It's over. And, and, and along those go lines... Go home. Go home. <laughs> Thanks, Ferris. Along those lines, and this is when I thought a lot about this this morning when the statement came out. Look, I'm not happy with Robert Server's statement today. Statement today. I, thought it was, I thought it was poorly written, poorly thought out. But I'll give Robert Server credit for this, and I really mean this. I'm very grateful that Robert Server did this now. Well in advance of media day for all the reasons that you just said, don't put your players in the crosshairs of having to speak about you, of having to answer questions about you. Don't put them in the position of having them to explain you or defend you or rip you or have anything to do with you because you're right now. I'm sure it's going to come up at media day to sit there and think that it's not going to be brought up is, is of course it's going to come up, 
But now it's not going to be the main focus. It can't be the main focus. It's done. It's over. He's selling the team. He's not in charge anymore. Adam Silver and, made his decision. Robert Sarver made his. I mean, what, what do you want me yep. to say? Like, what, if I'm Devin Booker and I get asked, what do you want me to say? You know, I, I, I've been in this league for a certain amount of time. Robert's been the over owner. I had a good relationship with him. Um, I respected him. He respected me. I don't agree with the things that he did. I mean, you could say that, sure. you know, not happy about what, you know, what came out in that report. He decided to sell the team. Like, that's it. I appreciate Robert Sarver making it easy on the players. I really do. I appreciate that. He took that. a lot of the pressure off of them, for he, sure. He did, because sure. because if he if he had waited a week or two to do this, yeah, then media day. media day is a cluster you-know-what if that happens, right? Then it just turns into one server question after another, and I'm glad to see the players aren't going to be in that position. I'm glad to see Robert effectively took the players out of that position. Again, I'm not happy with everything Robert Sarver did. Certainly his ownership is going to be defined by this scandal, by this investigation. Well, really well. It's a good point. Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah, well, we're not well, going to... How do you define the 20-year ownership of Robert Sarver? And even though he said, look, you know, all the good things I did are are, are erased by what, ha- what what's transpired here. And he's, he's right. I mean, it is. That will be defined. When you go look Robert Sarver up in 20 years, it will... The main thing you'll see is that he was, you know, basically forced to sell sell the franchise. It's Donald Sterling. It's Jerry Richardson of the Carolina Panthers. Nobody remembers anything else about those guys. Nobody remembers anything else about what they did. Nobody. And Robert Sarver is in the same boat. So uh, for all of the angst and all of the things he did wrong, including today's awful statement, I'm very grateful Robert Sarver did it when he did it, and he took the pressure off of the players. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show. So... He's going to sell the teams. What does that mean, and how is that going to work? Gambo's got some info you're going to want to hear next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. I am beginning the process of seeking buyers for the Suns and Mercury. I tell you, when the statement was released this morning, I still almost for a second, Gambo, had a hard time believing it. Like it was, oh, wow. Like, this is it. You know, it it started with a tweet from Shams. He tweeted that this was coming down and then the statement came down like right after it, I think. And I read the statement. I thought, this is actually it. Like, this is actually happening now. You know, like, and I know it hasn't been that long. The investigation only wrapped up a week and a half ago. The suspension and the fine was only announced eight days ago. Not that much time has expired. But when you think about how long Robert Sarver has been the managing partner of the Phoenix Suns, how long sure. his ownership has been of this organization, it's like, this is it. It's about to come to an end. Now, let's get into the details of how this is going to work. And and without trying to make it too, you know, let's explain it as simply as we possibly can. Robert Sarver announced today he is in the process of seeking buyers for the Suns and the Mercury. Right. Technically, he owns about one third of it all. Right. Yes. He's yes. got partners. Now we're trying to figure out, is he selling his share or is he authorized to share all or sell all of it. Yeah, and that's and I spoke with somebody very close to the ownership group that that told me that he does have the ability to sell his interest independent of the team being sold or the entire team could be sold. That he's a business guy, he's going to want to maximize his value of the team. So selling the entire team to a third party or creating an auction that would more or less maximize the return. 
It's not clear how it's going to go down. There's probably going to be a lot of behind-the-scenes negotiation. Um, but we're going to have to see what happens because there's probably some agreements in the partnership deal that kind of will determine what's going to happen here. Is there a buy-sell agreement? Um, does do you have the ability? Does any of the current owners have the ability to match an offer if somebody else wants to buy? Have they been given that right? And if, if you're going to sell, I want the ability to to buy it myself or match the offer. What do they have? Did they have a say? Do they have a say in their ownership stake? Hey, if you're selling, doesn't mean we all have to sell. What if I don't want to sell? What if I want to keep my share in the Phoenix Suns? I want to hold on to it for another ten years. Like so, a lot of questions still have to be answered. That's all in the partnership agreement. And when I called Robert today, I asked him about it. He did not want to discuss the partnership agreement. He says that's the main, you know, behind, uh, you know, that that has to remain between them, the partnership agreement. So you've got to see how this is going to play out. Now you can hire a broker, like Artie Moreno's hired a professional broker to help him sell, and a lot of companies do that. Yeah. That maximizes the value. That brings people in. You pay. It's like selling a house. It's like having a, a broker sell your house for you. They're going to find the, the best offers for you. So that happens in sports, too. There's a few different companies that do that. So the question really is, is does he have the legal authority to sell the whole team 100% of it while only owning 35% there's some reports out there that he does, but I don't know the agreement. I don't have the contract in front of me, so you, we just can't be sure. No, we can't. Baxter Holmes is the one who a few hours ago reported. And, of course, if you don't know, Baxter Holmes is the one who's been reporting all along on the investigation, the allegations. He's the one who put together the very detailed report of everything that was going on with the Suns organization that led to the investigation by the NBA. So Baxter Holmes obviously has some sources on this one. Tweeted out this morning, quote, even though Robert Sarver does not own the Phoenix Suns in full, sources told ESPN that Sarver has the authority as the team's managing partner to sell the team in full. Currently, Sarver owns about one third of the team, close quote. Now, I don't know anything about how to sell an NBA franchise or a sports franchise. I can only assume that Robert Sarver will get a higher price for the Suns if he sells all of the Suns. Right, he would. He would maximize his value if you sell the entire thing. Because then somebody can come in and offer you top dollar and more, and more than what it's worth, because they have the whole... Chicken caboodle, well, they have everything. They have every, I'm, everything's I'm, theirs. I'm not buying a 35% slice of the pie. I'm buying the whole and pie. And many people will, you know, with that type of money, how many people have, I mean, there's not that many people I can come in with $2.4 billion if that's what the price is going to be. So a lot of people will come in and they'll form like what Robert did. You'll form an ownership group. You'll form a group. Hey, I've got this much money. I can put in 700000 and then I'll own, I'll own, and then other people would put in. So a lot of times... Ownership groups are formed. Right. And it's not just, you know, now there are some ultra rich people that can buy the whole thing, but a lot of the owners in sports do have, you know, minority owners with them. They've formed an ownership group. Yeah. And, and of course, it goes without saying Robert's going to make more if he sells the whole team than just his chunk. But I, I think his his slice of the pie is worth more if he can sell the whole pie as opposed to just selling his slice. Because you're, you're giving that whole control over to somebody. They can bring in, as you say, the minority owners. Now, what we don't know, um, the statement released by John Najafi less than a week ago in which he called for Robert Sarver to stay Step down as managing partner. Within that statement, Jean indicated he had no desire to be the managing partner of the Suns. I've, I've, oh, I have heard even recently that he would be interested in, in purchasing the Suns. 
That's always been kind of a goal of his. Now, we'll see. I mean, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't want anything to do with this. Um, but I've heard that the, that he has had interest in purchasing the Suns. Yeah. Remember, him and Robert, I've said, Robert has tried to buy him out for four years. These two have butted heads for a long time. They do not like each other. Um, so, And that's another thing. Would, would, would somebody come in and buy 35% and want to have to deal with all the current owners that, you know, of some course. loyal to Robert, some not like. So that's why it's it's you're much better off if you could just sell the whole thing. Yeah, and and for the minority owners, you're better you're better much off whatever I want. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You're better off allowing Robert to sell the whole team because that's how you're going to maximize your investment too, right? Like yes. as much as your your slice of that pie, if Robert's allowed to sell the whole pie, you're going to get more that way as opposed to just somebody coming in and buying 35% or whatever because the person Whoever's going to come is, in. Do you have a say in it? Do you have a say in? Can you say I want to keep my shares? <laughs> like, or maybe can I have don't. the opportunity to buy back in? Do or, I have or, the opportunity to buy back or, in, or, or, or can or, I match any offer that's out there if I want to buy the team myself? And, and it, it's all in the contract. We don't have the contract in front of us. We don't know how it's going to work. We don't know if it's going to be John Najafi who's going to become the owner. You've mentioned many, many times he's got plenty of money. And I'm sure Robert would guy. not sell the team to him if he if he had his way. And that's the other question: is the amount of say that Robert has in all of this? And and we know. How this this part of the process we know. If Robert chooses to sell the team, let's say to John Gambadoro, okay, he's going to sell the team to Gambadoro. Yeah, I know you don't have that kind of money. I do but, not have that type of well, money. I'm just using you as an example. Okay, he wants to sell the team to John Gambadoro. He chooses to sell the team to Gambo. Okay. And then the NBA oh, looks at Gambo this. and says, yeah, no. Why would they do that? No, I don't know. Why would, not, well, whoa, whoa, no, slow down, Turbo. No why idea. would they say no just to me? for some reason, what? something in your past, maybe they've decided they just don't want to let you in their little club. I, just, I, I don't know. Because I work for the mob. I can't own an NBA team. Might have something to do with that. No, it's really? Really? clickbait. You bet we are, Cliff. Absolutely. Quite, oh, wow. Okay. It's quite possible your mafia wow. ties would prevent you from having wow. ownership of an NBA wow, team. That's that's rough. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Where's the forgiveness? <laughs> well, apparently, as Robert Sarver is finding out, there's not a lot of room for forgiveness, apparently. There's not a lot of space, no bandwidth for that. I was a kid. I had no education. That's where my family led me. You know what I mean, though. The, yeah. the NBA... Robert might be able to choose who he sells it to. The NBA will decide whether they let that person in their little club. And I tell you what, given what's transpired with Robert Sarver and the Suns, the NBA better vet the hell out of that man or woman. The NBA better. Oh, they always will. Uh, well, I mean, they, I mean, they do, but, you know, they let Robert Server in their little club and. Okay, okay but he, he was very qualified to purchase to the team at that point. I'm talking about the way the stuff that has come out in the investigation. If Robert Server had done all that stuff before he had purchased the Suns, mm-hmm. he never would have bought the Phoenix Suns. He never would have been allowed to buy the Phoenix no. Suns, no matter how much money he had. No. They would have looked at him and said, wait, you did what? And you were accused of what? And you allegedly said what to whom? How often? Yeah, no, we're not. You're not buying one of our teams, dude. We're not letting you in. And so, whoever the next person is, that person will have to be vetted. Yeah, I would not be actually vetted. They go back. Hey, back in 1984 at the roller rink, you threw a how you doing out there, and that didn't go over very well. Yeah, you probably wouldn't make it very well. So the names we've seen: Bob Iger's name, former Disney chairman. Somebody mentioned Phil Knight. I I haven't heard a thing about. Yeah, I saw that on. Go figure. Twitter earlier okay, today. Okay. Just a guess here. How old is Phil Knight? I have no idea. 
He's 84 years old. <laughs> okay, well, hopefully not. He's not now. buying the Suns. The guy's 84 <laughs> years old. I'm remember. not getting any younger. I can't, no, you're not. <laughs> I can't remember Phil where Knight's I saw that. Phil Knight's not buying the Suns. No, I know he's not. He was born in 1938. Bob Iger's 71. Okay, 71 and 84 oh, that's a difference. Is, is a big difference. I don't know. I don't know who's going to buy it. I, I've seen... You just ruled, ruled, ruled me out. I so. do, I do, well... Yeah. Well, first of all, financially, I can't do it. You can't do it. <laughs> Secondly, your background probably means you can't do it. I could get a bunch of investors. <laughs> I could form an investor group. If you think you could form an investor group to buy the Suns, then I apologize because I want in. I want to own a little piece of the Suns. Can I do that? I mean, I'm only going to throw in like a thousand bucks. Is that's that okay? It? I, that's it. Come on. That's it. I'm just I'm just a, just a little it's a little teeny tiny piece of the pie. Just a little slice. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I don't know what that. Well, that's going to get your pebble. <laughs> on the the yeah. Okay. Yeah. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, Matthew Stafford went from being on the Lions to being on the Lions. How does that work exactly? We'll try to tell you next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Robert Sarver announcing today he is selling the Phoenix Suns and the Mercury, whether that means his share of those teams or the entire enchilada. Yeah, we don't know. So working on trying My to guess that out. is the whole team gets sold. I think that's... My guess is that the, the whole team gets sold. Fair to think that's probably how it's going to work. And there's been a report from Baxter Holmes that that's exactly how it's going to work. But until we've got the contract in front of us, we, you don't really know for sure. So obviously the top story of the day. There continues to be massive reaction to it. It's a poll question that uh, Zach has put together. It's kind of a complicated one because we're not giving you a simple choice. It's an open-ended one. Let's get an update on it here. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. Zach, what do you got? All right, so we want our audience to look back at the Robert Sarver era, and we want to ask, what will you remember him for? Now, this is also taking away from the high of the Sarver era with the Suns making the 2021 NBA Finals and the low of his era being the investigation. So what will you remember Robert Sarver? I'm not allowed to remember him for either of those. I can't remember the finals, and I can't remember the investigation I re- I will remember God, there's so much I will the Greg Popovich chicken suit <laughs> the the goat in Ryan McDonough's Ooh, office with yeah, the, one, yeah. the poop everywhere I will remember the endless stream of one-year coaches and their inability to commit to anybody worth committing to for all of those years. Igor, Triano, Lindsey Hunter. I mean, we could do this all day long, right? Earl Watson. I mean, just I will remember that and how you were never going to win basketball games doing it like that. Never. I'll, I'll think of that. Yeah, the good the good things is the seven second or less Phoenix Suns with you know Tim Thomas hitting the big shot and uh, the Rajah Blake you know close lining Kobe. It was a great era in Suns basketball. Mike D'Antoni and uh, that was a lot of fun to think about. And this the negatives is ten years of no playoffs, ten years, yeah. ten years of some bad drafts and uh, you know and just lots of failure. 
What does the audience say? Just read a couple of them. Yeah, for us, if ten you would. years. Ten years is a common theme throughout this. Eric with one that says remembers the little things that drove home how winning was always a secondary thing, never the main thing. Mentioning paying Joe Johnson, the selling of draft picks. Uh, another one ruining the chance with Nash, Stoudemire, and Marion. Pay them all, and we would have had a championship. And my favorite one from Ref Robbie, a Tucson guy who ruined a Phoenix institution. <laughs> Oh, wow. (laughs) Amen to that. (laughs) That's funny. I had never really thought of it like that. There were two errors under Robert Sarver's ownership where the Phoenix Suns came very close to winning a championship to seven seconds or less. And this error with Chris Paul and Devin Booker and um, and and uh, DeAndre Ayton and Mikael Bridges. He had two. Now, in between those two errors was 10 years of colossal failure. Indeed. So it was like the bookend, right? It's a perfect bookend. Success, long failure, and then success. Right, it's almost like a, the bookends are the bookends are kind of short, and then the, all the books in the middle are long. That ten year run was a disaster, but it was bookended by success on both sides, the beginning and the end. All right, that's the poll question. You can find it on the Burns and Gimbo Twitter page. We're taking as many opinions on that one as we possibly can. In the meantime, the Cardinals are back on the practice field today, getting ready for their game against the Rams. A lot of guys on the injury list today. A lot of guys not practicing. Many of them were due to rest. Kelvin Beecham, uh, Holly. Hollywood Brown, Zach Ertz, A.J. Green, Rodney Hudson, Justin Pugh were all given a Veterans Day off today. James Conner didn't practice today with that ankle injury. Rondale Moore with the hamstring injury. Uh, J.J. Watt was limited, but he was out there. Andy Isabella was back out there in full. Trey, uh, Trayvon Mullen Jr. was out there in full, as you had said he might be. So maybe they get their cornerback for this weekend's game. Matthew Stafford and the Rams are off to a one-on-one start. They're the defending Super Bowl champs. You wouldn't think there's a lot to complain about, but the way they've started this season, and specifically the way he started this season, has left some Rams fans complaining a little bit about the start that they're off to, including one sharply worded headline. If you read the story, the story itself actually makes sense. The headline, and I'll I'll read it to you because it just doesn't make any sense, is Matthew Stafford turning the Rams into the Detroit Lions. I don't know. You won a Super Bowl with them. The Lions have never touched the Super Bowl. I read that headline and I thought, where are you going with this? How could you accuse a guy who just won a Super Bowl nine months ago of turning your team into the Lions? Once you get past that splashy headline, the author of the story actually makes a really good point. Sure. What is it? Just uh, the lack of complimentary football. And it says, look, McVay's Rams weren't necessarily run heavy prior to Stafford coming to L.A., but they were effective and used the ground game to set up downfield shots on play action. Now it says that in 166 games that Stafford played as a Lion, the offense only featured a 100-yard rusher 11 times. 11 times out of 166 games. The Rams now have created an environment that only produced a 100-yard rusher in two of the team's 21 games last year, both by Sony Michelle. So their run game struggled throughout the playoffs. It hasn't taken off this year. And it says it's with Stafford, it's with 
with the Lions and with the Rams, it's hard to get balance in your offense. It seems to be a very uh, an offense very much predicated on the pass. Yeah, and when you put it that way, it makes sense. And I guess kudos to the person who wrote the headline because it's a very catchy headline and it's the one that makes you want to click on the link to see what the hell the guy's talking about. But he's right. Matthew Stafford, look, in many ways is a prototypically built quarterback. He's tall. He's strong. He's got a cannon for an arm. There's not a single throw out on the field that he can't make. When you've got a guy like that, you're tempted to use him. I can see how you're, you know what? Forget the run game. I got Matthew Stafford. Yeah. Forget the run game. I've got one of the strongest armed quarterbacks in the National Football League who can make every single throw out there. I don't need a run game. I got him. I can see why the Lions were tempted to use that and go away from complimentary football. And I can see why the accusation against the Rams might be the same thing. Now, you know, the Rams can sit there and say, dude, we won the Super Bowl playing this way. What's your problem? You know, like, okay, we're off to a one and one start so far. This year, so sue us. We just gave you a Super Bowl championship a few months ago. Playing football this way, yeah. let's, let's let it breathe a little bit here before we reach conclusions. But it does kind of highlight Gambo that Matthew Stafford so far this year is off to a rough. Start. Yeah, and they actually went as far as to insult him by comparing him to Jared Goff with the numbers this year. <laughs> Matthew Stafford has 512 yards, four touchdowns, five interceptions, and a rating of 81.9. Where Jared Goff has 471 yards, six touchdowns, one interception, and a rating of 110. It's just like they just put that up there in in the story, which is kind of comical. But I think part of it is they just really, you know, they even bring up Kyler Murray in this story. They say Stafford's rival as the best quarterback in the in the NFC West is Kyler Murray, but the highest interception total he had is 12. Where Stafford's had 20, 19, 17, 16. Look, I get it, Matthew. Stafford throws a lot of interceptions. He does. He goes through stretches where he throws a lot of interceptions. And that, you know, and, and, and you could live or die with Matthew Stafford. I mean, that's just the way it is. But he's a very talented quarterback. And with the right talent around him, like in L.A., it worked. In Detroit, it didn't work. They didn't have a defense in Detroit that could overcome a two-interception game by Matthew Stafford. They would lose those games. But with the Rams, with Aaron Donald and now Bobby Wagner, with Jalen Ramsey, last year was Von Miller, they would overcome a bad Matt. They could overcome a bad Matthew Stafford game. Still win. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone, your Android. You'll never miss any of the shows. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Cliff Kingsbury has a great relationship with Sean McVay, the opponent's head coach this weekend. He believes it might be a reason that he got the Cardinals job in the first place. We'll talk about it next. Burns and Gambo. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Just when you think you get the monkey of the Rams off your back when you beat them for the first time in the Sean McVay era. That happened last year in week four of the NFL season. Just when you think you've got that problem figured out, you quickly realize you haven't figured out a thing. You lose to them later in the regular season. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. That's right. The shark is still out there, still chomping your legs off. Uh, You lose the second matchup in the regular season. You get humiliated in the playoff game. Absolutely embarrassed. And now in some ways it feels like you're back to square one with the Rams. You're not. 
you've you've got that one win. You beat them in the Sean McVay era. Finally, you got over that. But it does very much feel like you look at the totality of it all. They've got absolute ownership over you. Sean McVay's got absolute. They humiliated you on that Monday night in the playoffs, and then adding injury to insult, they're coming here to play you on Sunday. You haven't beaten them here since they moved to Los Angeles. 2014, when they were the St. Louis Rams. That's insane. 2014. You were a young man then. I don't know about that. Mm -hmm. I was a younger man. You were a younger man. I was a younger man. (laughs) Yeah, it was eight years ago. I'm not getting any younger. No, you're not. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, but if we go back eight years, you would be. Go back eight years. Go back eight years. I'm in my early forties. Yeah, young I'm man, good, right? Young man. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I know, as opposed to now, I'm in my fifties. Holla yeah. at your boy. Okay, you, you, you need to stop that one. <laughs> that one's you need to put that away, bitch. Put that away for a while. I need a break from that one. Oh God. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury today. Uh, of course, he's got a relationship with Sean McVay. They're friends, and he talked today pretty openly about what he's learned from Sean McVay. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say. Quite a bit. Um, you know, he's been very good to me. Like I said, all along, I wouldn't have this job if it weren't for him and the success he's had and what he said to Steve Kime. And, um, you know, anytime I have something come up, we can call and talk through. And he, he usually has a situation he's been through that, that's similar. And, and this being my first time in this league and as a coach in any way, you know, he worked his way up from, from rock bottom. It's it's good to have, have that type of cat who's not afraid, just because we're in the division, to give me some, some good advice. Now, that's interesting to me, that last part. Like, we're in the same division. We're rivals. He but he'll sh- give me good advice. He shouldn't help me, mm. you know? He, he really shouldn't be of the mindset to assist me in any way. But he does. He helps me out. He gives me advice. You know, probably not coaching advice, but just advice, advice. You know, and, and that's... and that's, Hey, can you give me some advice? How do I beat you? <laughs> yeah, I think I'll pass yeah, on that one. One on second thought. Can we talk about how to beat the 49ers season? of Seattle? I'd love to help you, but I'm not going to give you advice on how to beat me. Yeah. Um, listen, I think that this, prob- that this probably happens a lot more in the NFL than you think. I mean, because it's a fraternity and you know each other, and, and, and I'm sure a lot of coaches help each other out as much as they can because they want to see their guys succeed. If they're friends with the guys, or if they worked with them at some point. You want to see other people be successful. You know, unless you're Bill Belichick and the only person you care about is you, then everybody else wants to see other people succeed. Typically. <laughs> yeah, right. you're right. Yeah. Except for Bill Belichick. Except for Bill Belichick, who yes. has no interest in that no. whatsoever. Cliff met with the media today, and um, obviously the topic continues to be, in some part, Isaiah Simmons and what specifically Isaiah has to do to play more. Yeah, we're going to do whatever's best for the team. I mean, we were all excited about how he played and the progress he made and one of the biggest plays um, of the game, if not the biggest. And, and we felt like that was uh, attributed to the, the great week of practice he had, and he had another good day today. So we're going to keep him him moving and we we see what the ceiling can be and we want to get him there can't wait to see that snap count on sunday i i think it's gonna go way up i think it is too i think that that was more of a punishment and just a reminder you've got to be prepared you've got to you know every practice every you know you got to be ready all the time for some reason they must have felt that he wasn't 100% invested and they decided to say okay you're not going to you're not going to get the snaps but he he showed up he played really well made the play of the game and i think he's probably earned that playing time back it's funny two games into the season if we were having a conversation about which 
you know, off the ball linebacker we had concerns about, I would have assumed the conversation would have been about Zayvon Collins and not Isaiah Simmons. Hundred percent. And yet here we are, two games into the season, the conversation we're having is about Isaiah and not about Zayvon, who was, to your point, out there for every single snap and almost forced the big fumble that the Cardinals recovered. He did force a fumble. He forced fumble. The Cardinals couldn't fall on couldn't it. Get but he it, forced but they the forced the fumble. He was out there the whole game. And Just think about that. On one series, both Zayvon Collins and Isaiah. Simmons forced fumbles. Yeah. Think about it from Hunter Renfro's standpoint. Well, he had a we had a yeah. on both series. You were uh-huh. the one upon whom the fumble yeah. was forced, right? Got to blame somebody for the loss. I'd blame Hunter Renfro. <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury, of course you would, was asked about Zayvon Collins today. Yeah, what I've seen throughout um, this first part of the season, he's really learned to strain at practice. Uh, Friday, he was all over the place diving for balls, trying to knock stuff down, and then it was a similar play there. He got beat inside by Renfro. It was a great, you know, on that underneath stuff, and didn't give up and strained and knocked that ball. Out and, and that's been the biggest step I've seen is, is he's not just going through the motions in practice. He's playing fast. He's straining. He's he's working hard each and every day, and it showed up on that play. Zaven also met with the media, and he asked was asked the question about now that he's got the green dot and having the green dot in camp, and here we are talking about the green dot again on on how it prepared him for it. It wasn't really thrust upon me like late. It was. I mean, it's week two. They just. It's, are you talking about the green dot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we all carry it throughout training camp. So whenever Isaiah wasn't in, I would be calling. If I wasn't in, Isaiah would be calling. If he wasn't in, Fidge or someone else would be calling. So you get practice throughout the whole training camp. It's not like you just go out there and all of a sudden, like, I don't have any practice. I've been doing it since training camp. I did it all last year. So it's cool. He's right. I mean, it's you want these guys to be ready. Yeah. You know, we talked about, we've been talking about this damn green dot. I've talked more about the green dot since camp started than I have in 25 years, 26 years of doing this radio show. <laughs> I mean, Green Dot has been mentioned so much, like Green Dot, the Green Dot, the Green Dot. The, like, really? Like, I don't ever remember talking about the Green ever. Dot. It wasn't ever an issue. Like, okay, you pick a guy, he calls the defense. To, it's the coach calling the play. You just got to get everybody lined up. It's not like you're calling the play. You're not sitting there calling the defense. The coach is calling the defense. You just got to let everybody know what the coach said. Yeah, and let's call it like it is, too. It's That defense set the world on fire in the second half. In the first half, they were abysmal. They were, and I'm not. I'm not saying that to rip Zayvon Collins necessarily. More or less, I'm saying it to. Okay, before we start overboard the praise for the Cardinals defense, it's they've played eight quarters of football, eight and a half quarters of football. Six of those quarters defensively have been awful, just awful. Let's see how they do against the Rams. Let's see if defensively they've turned a corner. But I will say, Zayvon being out there 100 percent of the time, playing well, wearing the green dot. That is a good development. As unsettling as it might be to see Isaiah Simmons only get 15 snaps, at least having one of them out there contributing is a positive development. You'd like to see both, of course, in a perfect world. I think you will, though. I hope you're right. I still think you will. I hope you're right. I do. I mean, it seems like Zayvon Collins has turned that corner. And we know Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons Isaiah Simmons actually was a good last year. It was Zayvon that didn't play. But now Zayvon's getting plenty of play in time. I kind of feel like both, like both guys are going to be good. Yeah. When we come back, if there is one takeaway from Robert Sarver's decision to sell the Suns and the Mercury, it is this. The majority of fans are absolutely elated. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show.